you know, things that we disagree with in our country or um, in our family or, or whatever. But ultimately, the worst thing um, that could ever be experienced by any human being is to die without Christ. And, and we just need to remember that. So this is kind of a, a prayerful thing. To, uh, may we all just kind of join our hearts in, uh, in at this moment praying uh, for our nation and, and uh, just thinking about the fourth. Our Father in heaven, giver of all life and author of all things good, we entrust our great nation into your care. For it was you, our good shepherd, whom our founders followed. You are the creator and grantor of our cherished rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All are forged by your loving grace. Guide our leaders in the paths of righteousness and justice. May their service to our nation be honoring to you. And may their decisions reflect your will. Remind us that true happiness is found only in Christ. Protect our men and women who fight for our freedom. Bless your church to shine and drive out the darkness in our cities. And remind us that your kingdom is not a red state nor a blue state. Your kingdom is not of this earth. So we plead with you. Bring conviction to our hearts and revival to this land. Send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and come dwell with your people. Today we honor our Creator, our Lord, our Father. Thank you for your grace and blessings. And may you continue to bless our great nation. We pray to you in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And we do. We experience many freedoms in this nation. And, you know, there are times when we take advantage of those freedoms that we have in this nation. And, and as we see in Scripture as well, there are times when we take advantage of the Our freedom. Our Father in heaven, giver of all life. And... All right, if you want to watch it again, I guess we can... Oh, our sound guy, our sit-in sound guy is mortified. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. It's all right. Um, oftentimes, and Paul, Paul knew this when, when he's writing to the Romans. He, he said, look, um, don't take advantage of this freedom that you have. And so, so as we're going through the book of Galatians, what, what I don't want us to hear today is that you can just live your life however you want. Okay, that's, that's not the point. But what we're talking about today is we're beginning to talk about the freedom that we have in Christ. Uh, specifically today, as Paul is talking, the freedom from the law. Freedom from the law. Now, this freedom affects our eternal consequences of sin. Um, it's, it's, an, it's truly an amazing gift that we get from, from Jesus Christ. Um, and so far, we have seen in this letter to the Galatians, as you're turning there, um, 
we have seen that Paul has authority in our lives and that the Bible has authority in our lives because it's, it came from God. It was inspired by Him. It didn't come from men. Um, Paul didn't study under any other apostles or teachers. Um, he received this from God Himself. And, and we can trust what he's saying because we can hold his writings up to the witnesses that were alive in his day. And we know that it's, it's not something totally different. It's in line with who Jesus was and what he taught and what he spoke to other apostles as well. Um, and, and I think it's just truly amazing at how God brings us His Word and, and how we can trust in it. Uh, and of course, He teaches us about ourselves as well as we go through that. Now, we saw in the last four weeks of this series that there's only one Gospel. There is only one Gospel. And that Gospel is Jesus Christ crucified and risen again. Um, it is only our belief in Him that produces everlasting life. Paul has made that very clear. Now, this, this caused a lot of conflict in the culture that Paul is, is teaching this in because they had been living under hundreds and hundreds of years of the law which God had given them. Um, but now it, it's changing. And, and there's, a new, uh, there's a new thing in town, and, and it's been brought by Jesus Christ Himself. Last week, we also saw this confrontation that Paul had with Peter and the Judaizers once again. In, in regard to this. And, and it continues in, in our world today, this discussion. And, and you will see further as the message goes on what I'm talking about. Now think about how difficult it was for someone living in the first century to give up what they had been practicing for hundreds of years as a people group and probably for uh, a quarter century, half century, uh, maybe for some almost a full century in their own life. And, and now they're being told that, that it's different. It's different. There, you can't add anything to the gospel. Um, the law has been fulfilled. It has been completed. And today, we begin to leave the foundations of our freedom, which we have been looking at over the course of the last four weeks, and we are beginning to enter into what it looks like to follow that freedom, to live our lives in the midst of that freedom. So, um, just to work our way forward, in today's passage, there's two destinations and there's two roads. We're going to look at two destinations and two roads. First, we're going to take a look at the two destinations. Now, I mentioned earlier we're only going to do, uh, we're only going to be reading verses 10 through 14, five verses. And Ty is going to be looking at the verses up to, chapter, up to verse 9 um, about, uh, he's going to take a look at Abraham and the original promise that God made. And I just really want to encourage you um, to, to take 10 minutes this week, um, either on your smartphone, you can, you can watch it there. Um, once in a while on my smartphone, the, the Ty's lips don't match up with the sound for some reason. So I don't actually watch it. I just listen to it because that just really drives me crazy. Um, but, or you can watch it on your computer, your iPad, whatever, um, your tablet. Um, it, it's right there. And, and I want to tell you, and, and I just, I guess I want to tell you this because I think that, that maybe you're privileged and you don't really get that you're privileged. But um, those second look videos... I think are, are better than any other church in Wyoming has to offer their congregation. Now, there may be some congregations out there that do something like this, but these are, they're just, if you've been watching them, aren't they? I mean, they're top quality. Um, um, they're well thought through. They help us to continue to think about and, and to, to, to focus on God's Word throughout the course of the week. So I, I just really want to in, encourage you to do that and then to talk with somebody about it. Let's, let's move on to our passage. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. 
All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So there's blessing found in verse 14 and there's the curse. Those are uh, those are the two destinations. And there's a striking difference between those two words, isn't there? As you think about the description of those. Um, there's no gray area between curse and blessing. There's no fence. You know, sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to sit on the fence when it comes to this. Uh, Paul says there is no fence here. Moses describes these same destinations in the Old Testament. In fact, if you look at those verses in there, and I'm not sure if they put them in quotes in your um, translation or not, um, but there are certain parts of verses 10 through 14 that are, that are in quotes, right? And at the end of one of those quotes, you can look, and there's a small letter probably. And if you look at that small letter and you go at the bottom of your page or to the side, it tells you where that uh, has been said before. And if you look at those, everything Paul is quoting to these, to these men that he's talking about, these people that he's talking to here, comes from the Old Testament. Paul is saying, yeah, you're holding up what Moses said, but look, Moses is saying this. Moses in Deuteronomy 27, 26 says, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. In Habakkuk 2.4, it says the righteous will live by faith. In Leviticus 18.5, it says the man who does these things will live by them. In Deuteronomy 21.23, it says cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. It's all Old Testament. Paul is saying, look, this, this isn't brand new. It's different. Jesus has changed the universe going forward. Um, please, Paul says here, this from the Old Testament. Moses talked about the same kinds of things. There was a pig and a chicken and they were walking by a church and uh, there was this big fundraiser, this big charity event that was taking place. And um, getting caught up in the spirit, the pig suggested that, that they should both give something. You know, they should both make a donation or a contribution to this, uh, this fundraiser. And the chicken says, great, that's a great idea. Let's give them ham and eggs. And, and the pig's like, not so fast. For you, that's a contribution. For me, it's a total commitment. Um, we're talking the difference between curse and blessing is like contribution for the chicken and contribution for the pig. They're so far apart from each other. And we're going to look at each of those. So let's first take a look at the, uh, of the cursed destination. I know I put destiny in the notes and up here on the screen. I, I actually preferred the word destination. I think destiny in our culture kind of has a, a maybe a misconstrued meaning. But we, we are cursed. Uh, Paul describes in Romans 6.23 it this way, for the wages of sin is death. It's curse. Uh, because we sin, because we are imperfect human beings, we miss the mark. We can't, we can't hit the target. Uh, we, we miss the mark. Um, again, Deuteronomy 27, 26, Paul says to the Judaizers, Moses' very words, Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. 
Um, it, in this verse from Deuteronomy, a solemn curse is pronounced on everyone who fails to keep all of the commandments all of the time. Anyone in here been keeping all of the commandments all of the time? There is no one on the planet that has been able to do that. In fact, we are born with the first destination before us and we will remain headed for that destination no matter how hard we try ourselves to work ourselves to a different trajectory, to a different destination. See, Jesus Himself said in John chapter 3, verse 18, whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So if we have not put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we stand condemned already. We are cursed. We are living within that curse. So the consequences of our sin is death. It's rejection by God. And this is the position of every human being who has ever lived except Jesus Christ himself, who lived perfectly. Sin is universal. We can't follow the law perfectly. Um, Jews thought that they were automatically in because of their ancestry. Well, I'm a Jew. That's, that's what gets me in. But Paul makes it clear that everyone is under the curse of sin, not just what they called ignorant, lawless Gentiles. But also the Jews themselves. Uh, Romans. Remember Romans 3, 22 and 23? 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say for all Gentiles. It doesn't say for everyone but the Jews. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Paul clears it up just before that in verse 22 when he says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. We all need Jesus. We all need to be rescued. We all need to be saved. There is no difference. There is no distinction. And we will remain headed for this destination until we are justified before God. In verse 11, Paul says that clearly no one is justified before God by the law. Cursed. The second destination is blessing. The, the second destination is blessing. And, and with it, incredible freedom from the law. Look at verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. As this blessing is unfolded in verse 14, the promised blessing includes justification. Um, those who are being received into the fellowship with God or those um, who are being put into favor with God God, God um, pours out His grace and His mercy on us. We, we are justified only by Him. Eternal life, which means being received into the fellowship with God um, here, now, in this present age, and for eternity on into the future. And then we are promised the Spirit, which is being regenerated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit who comes to reside within us. This is a priceless, threefold blessing of every Christian believer. What a blessing. What an encouragement it is to hear that. In 1 John 3, chapter 1, it describes it this way. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. For that is what we are. What love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are children of God. What a blessing. Grafted in to God's family. We become a part 
of God's family tree. Uh, We are adopted by Him. We are given all the rights and blessings of true sons and daughters. Now, there may be some here this morning who, who... um, who have been adopted into a family. Uh, maybe, maybe you are a family who has adopted a child. And what you are told, what we were told, when I adopted my daughter Cassandra, I was told by the judge, now, before you sign these documents, you need to understand a couple things. The first thing is this. Well, you know, obviously you're choosing this young lady. I was choosing to, to be her father in this instance. And he said this, when you sign your name, this daughter of yours has complete and full rights to everything every natural born child in your family has rights to. She essentially becomes as if she were naturally born. And then he says this, he says, and you also need to know that in the state of Wyoming, going forward, once this document is signed and filed, do you remember this? It will be. It is nearly impossible for you to disown an adopted child. You can disown a naturally born child. But once you adopt a child, they're yours. We are adopted into God's family. In Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, Paul says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What a blessing to know that we have a Father who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Oh, praise Jesus. If you are a Christ follower here this morning, He is your Father. You have been adopted into His family. And you know what? It's not because of you following the law or you going to church every Sunday or any of that stuff. It is simply out of His grace and mercy. Okay, so there's two destinations, and those are curse and blessing. Where are you today? Where are you? Which, which destination are you headed for? Are, are, you, are you headed down the road of the curse? Condemned already because you haven't believed? Or are you headed for destination? Um, boy, that's really... Blessing. And the question then becomes, how do we stay or change destination? So I want to look at the first road. The first road is this. Two roads. The first one is the law. We see this in Galatians chapter 3. It's the law. Now, it's human to want to be happy, right? Do you want to be happy? I want to be happy. Um, I want to have joy in life. I want to be accepted. I want to stand in favor before God and before my wife and my children and my friends and my co-workers. I want all that. I I want everybody to get along and, and to experience joy in their relationships. I mean, most people want that. And I think I could be as bold to say that everybody wants that. They may not admit it, but everybody deep down wants to be happy and to be accepted. And as travelers in life headed for our hoped destination, if we are making attempts according to the law to change our destination to heaven, to blessing, then we are following the law and it's, going to, it's a false sense of security and acceptance because it can't be done. 
Paul makes that very clear over and over and over and over again. Now, the Judaizers of Paul's day were promoting this road as the only way to receive salvation, the law road. They said in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, there is no, um, they say, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So they're saying, fine, if you believe in Jesus, great, but you can't be saved unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses. People who travel this road are relying on works of the law, Paul says in verse 10, as they try to do everything written in the law. And essentially, he says, if you're going to live by the law, you're going to die by the law. That's just the way it is. Now, I want to tell you about an experience that I had this last week. David Trowbridge and myself, David is the chairman of our missions team here at North Hills. Um, David and I went on a, a trip with some other pastors from, from Converge Rocky Mountain, and we jumped on an airplane on Thursday morning, and we flew to Salt Lake City, and we spent the day in Salt Lake City, and then we flew back to Denver, and we drove home. It was a long day, um, and it was hot in Salt Lake. It was 102 the day that we were there. But, but this is what we did. When we got there, we went and visited a church plant that we are planting in, in Salt Lake City and, and uh, that, that Converge Rocky Mountain is planting. And we visited with Lauren, and uh, he told us what's going on and, and how the church is doing, and we saw this new building that God had provided, and, and there have been churches from Colorado go over and help them remodel this building, and, and, and it's, it's wonderful. God is doing, in fact, this morning, um, I don't know if, how late their services are, but he was going to baptize someone who was new in Christ this morning. God is beginning to work through this church. And then after we visited with him a while, we all went over to, a, to Sunrise Baptist Church, a, a Baptist church in a, in a conservative Baptist denomination who wants to affiliate with us and, and be a part of our church planting effort in the Salt Lake City area. And so we met with that pastor and heard his story and prayed with him and, and uh, voted to receive that church. And then we went to lunch. And then after lunch, we visited Temple Square. Now, I've been by Temple Square before, but I've never stopped and spent time there. And, and we saw things, uh, yeah, there's, there's Dave and I um, at, at Temple Square, and we saw some incredible architecture. You know, this, this next one is the actual temple. I don't, didn't look at the date to see when it was built, but Joseph Smith is the one that decided where that should be built, and they built that there. And we saw some other things, some um, wonderful uh, architecture in this next picture is uh, a place where the Mormon Tabernacle Choir actually still practices today when, when they're practicing their music. And the acoustics in that building are in, incredible. And if you look at, you see all of those pillars? I suppose that's those columns. Um, beautiful marble columns, right? Wrong. They're hollow. They're made of wood. They're painted to look like marble. Which, as I'm thinking about it, and I was doing a little, you know, nosing around at some of this, because Don Hill had been there before, and he had mentioned them hand-painting pews. It was in this building right here. Those pews are all actually pine. And they painted, they painted them to look like oak. Hand-painted all of the, what do you call that? The grain, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking fast on my feet this morning. They hand-painted all of the wood grain on those to make them look like oak. And you know, um, as we're going to see as I talk about this further, those columns are a perfect, perfect um, illustration of, of Mormonism. They look good on the outside. They seem to be right and true. 
but ultimately they're hollow. And they're hollow because of what Paul is teaching us today. What we see here today. Um, so we saw uh, Temple Square. Um, and then also uh, up in one of the... There's actually two visitor centers. Um, this was a statue of Jesus that stands at least as tall as the speakers right there. And every five minutes or so um, comes this booming, I suppose, Jesus-like voice um, that's quoting Bible verses. And, um, you know, it just echoes throughout the room. Um, there was a little boy with a youth pastor who was with us, and, and every, every building we went into, he would figure out that if he hollered, it would echo. And I really loved hearing him holler because it just, you know, he'd walk in and he'd look around and he'd go, ah! Like that, and he'd just be, ah, 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 ah. Here are the sad facts. The sad facts are there are 14.1 million people worldwide in the Mormon church. Okay, and, and as I was thinking of that, I was thinking, how does that actually compare to others? And Manon Strong and her family would know this. Um, there are actually 2.1 billion Muslims worldwide. Both very similar, very, very similar. Seem close, seem right. A lot of the words are the same. A lot of the stories are the same, but there's just enough difference. And, and it lands on what Paul is cautioning us against here. Now, as we went into the basement of, of the first visitor center we were in, um, we, we, you walk in and there's this incredible, I wish I'd have taken a picture of it, model of Jerusalem. And, and there are all these pictures around it. There's Jesus, uh, a picture depicting Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus coming out of the empty tomb and Jesus on the cross. And, and, and as these pictures light up, a little red light appears out there on the model, which tells you the place in, in Jerusalem where that probably occurred. And then you can go on the other side and, and it tells things like, um, um, you know, Mary Magdalene and Martha, etc. And you can touch a, a plaque there and it actually shines a light on that area of the city uh, of this um, model that shows you where that probably took place. Which is, it's all, it's all 100% authentic and real. And then you walk downstairs and... And as soon as you come around the corner, there is a, a wax uh, figure of Isaiah and he's sitting at a table and he's, he's writing down his prophecy and it talks about how he, he was a prophet and when he lived and, and how long he lived. And, and we talked about that here. And, and then it goes on and, and there's a figure of Peter and then some other disciples and talks about them. And then there's Joseph Smith. And it talks about his revelation that he received and how he is a prophet modern day just like Isaiah was, just like Peter was. And then there's other writings and other things. And, and, and as, as we're talking with this pastor, he grabs a couple and he says, I want you to look at this. Look at this. And look what's missing here. And, and, and what do you know this verse to say? And, and there's just, you're just going, Whoa. Um, I find it interesting that, that Joseph Smith said um, that he received his revelation um, from an angel of light. Okay, do you remember what Paul said in chapter 1 of Galatians, verses 8 and 9? He said this, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. 
As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. If you add anything to this, Paul says, but the truth that you can only be saved through Jesus Christ, it's one gospel, you're cursed. And then at the end of the day, we went up to uh, this kind of lookout point. We looked across the city and we prayed for the city and you know, my heart just began to ache for all of the beautiful, nice people who genuinely and zealously believe what they believe. And they're going to wake up to a sad, sad eternity. Um, Lauren was talking to a couple missionaries as soon as we walked into Temple Square, Lauren, this pastor from Salt Lake, is trying to get some missionaries to take us on a tour. He's saying, hi, hey, hi, you know, where are you from? Because they're all, they're, they're, they're mostly young, um, upper teenage girls, ladies. And um, um, Lauren told us that that's the age range and they use the girls because people don't tend to argue with them like they would men. And so that's who they assigned to take people on these tours. And um, finally, in the second, in the second visitor center, um, there are a couple girls that are interested in talking to Lauren. And, uh, I mean, I'm off on the couches just praying, Lord, help them to see the truth and to see the light. And, and Lauren said, you know, that he's, he's not rude. He's not really argumentative. He just wants to uh, help them get them to try and help him understand what they believe and then share with, with them what he believes and try and plant a small, even if it's a small seed of doubt in their minds of what they are holding on to as truth. And in the course of this conversation, he asked them what it was that they, what, what was required of them to be saved, for them to be justified before God. And this is what they told him. Um, they explained to him that their salvation, their justification was achieved by following a certain number of commands and making a certain number of commitments. What would Paul say to them? Paul would say, look at verse 10, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. The road of following the law for salvation ends in a very dark, sad place, totally separated from God. To stand and walk through the temple square and see so many people. I mean, people are flocking to temple square. It's like, it's like, it's like we would go to Jerusalem. I mean, I want to go there. I want to walk where Jesus walked. They want to go and walk where their prophet Joseph Smith walked and where their current prophets today walk. So, again, let me ask you this. What road are you sitting on this morning? What are you resting your hope in? Are you resting your hope in the law, in doing what's right and good? Are you here this morning because you think that going to church will get you that much closer or more secure in heaven? Again, Paul says in verse 11, clearly no one is justified before God by the law. The destination of the road of the law is the curse. We can't find justification through the law, only darkness and death. So where is our hope found? 
But this is the great part. This is the good part. Um, the second road Paul calls faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. People on the first road trust their own works, uh, their ability to obey the law and do what it says. People on the second road believe in the finished work of Christ. It's been done. He did it. And only He can do that work. Paul says the righteous will live by faith, quoting the Old Testament. Justification is found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus did for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. He lived the perfect life. He is the only way for us to escape the curse. It is in Jesus Christ alone that eternal life can be found. And Paul over and over and over and over and over again repeats that in every one of his letters and books. And what a great reminder for us here this morning. Um, what, what, a, what a thing that you can be thankful for. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as your only hope of salvation, you can just praise Him and thank Him for that sacrifice that He made. Because you have been ransomed. You have been redeemed. Um, you have been set free from the terrible bondage of sin and the law. Look at verse 13 here. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now I want you to put your I want to, you to put yourself in the first century Jewish position. Okay? You've been practicing the law for however long you've been alive. You've been taught this. This is it. We follow the law. In fact, they've made up laws to help you follow the law. You know, you shouldn't work on Sunday. Well, what is work? Let's make some laws that define what work is. Okay, you can walk, I don't know, half a mile, but you can't walk Six-tenths of a mile, because six-tenths is work. Half a mile is okay, that's casual. That's a casual, you know, stroll. Um, they made laws to help keep, keep the laws. Because, because why? Because they were afraid of breaking the law, because that, that's how you're found righteous. That's how you're justified. But all along, as we've seen already, the, the Old Testament speaks to the fact that there is going to be one who comes who is the Savior. You know, all the law does is point to the fact that we can't keep the law. The righteous will live by faith. Now, okay, you've got your place in, you've got yourself in a first century Jewish position. You've, you've only, all you've known is the Ten Commandments and the law that you've been taught by the teachers and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? Um, and, then, and then you hear this. You hear Paul say, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. You also may have heard or you may have even witnessed Jesus Christ himself hanging on the cross. Hanging on a tree. Now, um, Bishop Blunt says it this way. The language that Paul uses here is startling, almost shocking. It's not to us because we've heard this before. It would be to them. We should not have dared to use it, yet Paul means every word of it. Jesus conquered sin and death by becoming a curse himself. He voluntarily took on all of it in order to deliver us from it. When Jesus was on the cross, just before He died, He cried out, My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? And I wonder if, just at that moment, He is feeling the full brunt and effect of every sin that will ever be committed and that has ever been committed at that moment. And the darkness and the pain is so heavy. And the separation from His Father, because His Father can't be in the presence of evil. And Jesus takes that on Himself. 
Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. According to John Stott, um, and I quote, every criminal sentenced to death under the Mosaic legislation and executed, usually by stoning, was then fixed to a stake or hanged on a tree as a symbol of God's divine rejection. Dr. Cole says, the quotation means not that man not that a man is cursed by God because he is hanged but that death by hanging was the outward sign in Israel of a man who was cursed okay you see a man hanging on a tree he's been cursed okay because of something he did or whatever he's been stoned he's been executed he's hanging on that tree because because he was cursed so to be nailed to a cross was equivalent to being hanged on a tree so Christ crucified was described as having been hanged on a tree. Um, uh, uh, Luke uses that terminology in Acts chapter 5, verse 30. Peter uses it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And it was recognized as having died under the divine curse. So it's no wonder that Jews were having a hard time believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God when he's hanging on a tree. I mean, how could the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, instead of reigning on a throne, hang on a tree? It just seemed impossible to them. But the fact that Jesus died hanging on a tree remained for Jews an insurmountable object, obstacle to faith until they saw that the curse he bore was their curse, not his own. He wasn't bearing his own sin because he had no sin. He died not for his own. He became a curse for us. And it's our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior who did the finished work of our salvation on the cross and rose again three days later. Conquering sin and death. We can be in him. We can live by faith. When we believe, that's what happens. Stott says it this way, faith is laying hold of Jesus Christ personally. There's no merit in it. It's not another work. Its value is not in itself, but entirely in its object, and that's Jesus Christ. So what road are you on? What destination are you headed for? If you're headed for the destination of the curse, please believe, surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the challenge is straightforward. We must renounce the idea that we can somehow establish our salvation based upon our good works and, and obeying the law. We need to give that up. We need to give that up. We cannot make ourselves acceptable to God. Instead, we must come humbly to the cross where Christ bore our curse and cast ourselves at his feet and his mercy. And then, by God's grace, because we are in Christ Jesus by faith, we will be justified. We will be granted eternal life and the indwelling of the Spirit, the blessing of Abraham that Ty is going to be talking about. There is great news in freedom. There is great news in freedom. And, and there is sadness in my heart for people that aren't experiencing that freedom. And, and, and I would hope that... that Two things would happen today. We leave here excited and praising God for the incredible glorious gift that he has given us and that we would be concerned for our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers 
who haven't met Jesus yet, who haven't believed, who haven't experienced being a child of His. And I want to encourage us and challenge us to take advantage of every opportunity. And, and uh, Pastor Michael's going to come and tell us about an opportunity that he took advantage of in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to someone. And any one of us, this could happen to any one of us at any given time of the day. And, and I want you to hear that God is working through, the, through people in this church. And so let's hear this story by Pastor Michael. A few years ago, I walked into a gas station, a convenience store, after I, by paying for pumping gas, but they decided to pay for it. As I walked through the doors, they're playing a song, and I listened, and I was like, I know that song. It was Newsboys, I Am Free by the Newsboys. And I walked up to the counter, and the lady goes, look at me, I said, do you know what you're listening to? She goes, oh, it's some satellite radio we listen to. I said, that's I'm Free by the Newsboys. She goes, Yeah. What's that about? I said, listen to it. It says, I am free to run. I'm free to dance. I'm free to follow him. I said, this is what Christian life is all about. We are now getting free to follow Jesus. Yeah, I used to go to church, but I could never live up to their standards. They always had these lists of things that I had to do or didn't do. And I said, man, I understand that. I went to a church that on the back wall of the church, there was a framed poster with a list of Things that Christians should do and things that Christians should not do. I said, I was so zapped of joy. But when I realized, reading Galatians, Paul said, I died to the law that I might now live for God. I said, Christian life, the journey to be a Christ follower, is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a list of get-to's. Pastor Dave? June 30th, right? 2013. This is the first time I've been in your service with you. Because I get to be in Kid Zone every Sunday with your kids and love Jesus with them and watch them worship and grow in God. And I'm sharing this with this lady. She goes, I have never heard that in my entire life. I stopped going to church because all I heard was, if you don't do this, if you, if you don't do this, then you can't be a Christian. You have to do this. And then she gave me her list and I said, you know what? Christ died to pay for that list. His death took care of that. She took a little sign that said, next window, and put it there. She goes, I need to hear more about that. I got to share the plan of salvation with her. I said, you know, Jesus already paid the price. There's nothing you and I can do to do it. She goes, I want that freedom. She prayed to receive Jesus Christ in the convenience store. Every time I go to Torrington and I buy gas there, she tells me what her pastor talked about the Sunday before. And we get to talk just briefly about her journey and about her step and the freedom that she experienced because of what Christ had done for us. God gives us divine opportunities. Most of the time, we're too busy to realize God's going, hey, this is an opportunity for you to be a little Jesus. I, I'm glad I was, I was responsive that day. And God allowed me a part of his process of sharing his grace. That can happen to, to any of us at any time, really. I mean, let's look for opportunities 
to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about um, that freedom in following Christ. And, and, you know, there are commands in the Bible. There are things that we need to do. Okay, but, but those are not unto salvation. Those are because of the freedom that we have in Christ. And we're going to be talking about that in, in the coming weeks. Um, but, but the greatest thing, one of the greatest things we can do is testify to someone the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's 14, maybe it's, you know, it's a million people in the Salt Lake City Valley. Maybe it's, you know, however many people live in Morocco. I didn't realize we were able to say that word in here. But um, North Africa, where Megan is, um, you know, wherever that may be. We have missionaries that are in Spain and are, are, are ministering to the, all the Muslims that are flocking a, across the sea. People need to hear it. Um, and let's be willing to not only proclaim it, but to live it. You know, live the good news. Let, let's leave here celebrating how incredibly gifted and, and blessed we are uh, to be on that road with him. I want to close with this, uh, this last story as Nathan... Uh, Nathan, you can come on up. You guys can come on up here and, and get ready. Actor, actor Kevin Bacon was recounting a conversation that he had with his six-year-old son. And his six-year-old son had just seen a, a movie that Kevin Bacon had made. And he said, hey, Dad, you know that thing in the movie where you swing from the rafters of that building? That's really cool. How did you do that? Kevin Bacon said, well, I didn't do that part. It was a stuntman. What's a stuntman, his son asked. That's someone who dresses like me and does things I can't do. Oh, he replied and walked out of the room looking a little bit confused. A little later, he said, hey, Dad, you know that thing in the movie where you spin around on that gym bar and land on your feet? How did you do that? I said, well, I didn't do that, son. It was a gymnastics double. That's a guy. Uh, what's a gymnastics double, he asked. That's a guy who dresses in my clothes and does things I can't do. There was silence from my son. Then he asked in a concerned voice, Dad, what did you do? <laughs> and Ke Kevin Bacon replied with this, I got all the glory. I got all the glory. That's salvation. Jesus did it all for us. And... In some ways, um, when we get to heaven, even now, we get all the glory. Um, he died for us. And, and let's just praise him for that. Let's sing this final song. It's a great one. As the ushers come forward, don't forget to put those connect cards in. And uh, I hope you join us next week as we look at the end, uh, the second half of chapter 3 of Galatians. All right. Well, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, it says... Uh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And that's good news. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's sing this last song loud and proud. Praise our Creator. Great is your faith. So remember your people.